Welcome to Mountain View Church Audio, coming to you from the Wilderness City, Whitehorse, Yukon. We strive to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. Who's your hero? Who do you look up to and admire? Those who know me well know that my hero is the late great evangelist Billy Graham. I never got the chance to meet him personally, but I've learned a lot about his life and ministry over the years. Many people don't know that throughout his ministry, he had offers to obtain fame and fortune from Hollywood to Wall Street. But he stayed laser focused on his mission to share the gospel with anyone who would listen. Also, many people don't know that he faced massive attacks, massive opposition from both inside and outside the church. From the inside, reformers claim that he was whitewashing the gospel by focusing too much time and energy on the personal call to salvation. And evangelicals claim that he was a heretic because he chose to work with mainline leaders in the Catholic and Orthodox churches in order to maintain unity and to obtain new opportunities to preach to new audiences around the world. From the outside, media attacked him all the time for his conservative stance on marriage, sexuality, and abortion. And they'd try to lump him in with shady televangelists of the day, claiming that he was trying to get rich off of religion, although they never found any evidence of that. Through it all, the highs, the lows, the opportunities, and the attacks, Billy Graham remained steadfast in his mission to preach the gospel and point everyone to Jesus. And that's why he's my hero. That's why I admire him so much. Every person that met Billy was eventually introduced to Jesus. He was always pointing to Jesus. This week's hero of faith from Hebrews 11 is a man by the name of David. David's faith and courage consistently pointed people to the one true God. And David's life and legacy points us all to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I'm reading from Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 and verses 32 to 34. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the malice of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Okay, so here we are in Hebrews 11, but we're going to be pushed back once again with looking at David back into the Old Testament, back to an Old Testament book. If you don't have a Bible, text the number on the screen and we will mail you one. Or if you have a tablet or a mobile device, you can download it from your app store and then search First uh, Samuel 16, that's where we're going today, First Samuel 16. If you do a print Bible, but you're kind of unsure how to look something up, don't stress it. There's a table of contents in the front. You can look for First Samuel. There's a page number. Get there, and then you can look to chapter 16. 
Okay, so 1 Samuel 16, we're going to start with verse 1. Here we go. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now scroll down to verses 6 and 7. It says this. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And what we're going to see here is Jesse has a bunch of sons, and one by one, because the prophet Samuel's there to find like the new king, who will be the new king to take over after Saul? Who's going to be? It's going to be one of Jesse's sons. So uh, Jesse actually brings uh, seven of his sons one at a time before Samuel. And Samuel's like, no, the Lord's rejecting each one of these. And, and we get to the end and Samuel's like, wait a second. I'm definitely sent here. You must have another son. Like, is this all of them? And Jesse's like, well, no, there's actually... The youngest brother's out in the field. He's a shepherd. He's keeping the sheep while we're kind of doing this thing. And, and Samuel's like, okay, well, you need to go get that son then. And let's see if the Lord affirms him. So scroll down to verse 12. And what we read is, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. It's an important note here, as we're getting this background for David, super important that no one, no one perceived or expected David would be the future king. When the prophet Samuel showed up, not even his own father envisioned that David would be the chosen one. He, all, he thought any of his older sons would be the guy. And so this is an important first point for us to, to kind of look forward in, that, that God doesn't always choose the, the choice that we might choose. He, he might choose the unlikely person. And so that's super important. Well, time passes on, and eventually we get in this situation where the Philistines, now, if you've been following in our Heroes of Faith series, you're going to be like, the Philistines, I seem to remember. Uh, is, was that Samson? Yes, it was. The, the Israelites have been in trouble with the Philistines before. And here we are again in 1 Samuel. We're in the situation where the Philistines have decided they're going to make war against Israel. Okay, so they've gathered to go uh, against Israel, and there's a giant valley, if you can envision it, and on one side, you have to imagine the Philistine army is there, on the other side, there is the, the Israelite army, and so here they are, and they're about to do battle, and we have uh, a situation that, that comes into play here. Uh, I want you to turn over now to 1 Samuel 17, the next chapter, 1 Samuel 17, and scroll down to verse 4. Let's check this out. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now scroll down to verse 8. We read, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? 
Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay, so this is a tense situation. You have the Philistine army, the Israelite army, and Goliath, who maybe you've heard about if you've been around church, or kind of the David and Goliath count is kind of, we hear it in culture, it gets into different areas of Western culture, so you might have heard it, but this is it. Goliath in the middle, he's like, hey, come on! Is no one, is none of these soldiers man enough to fight me? Let's go. And this actually goes on for 40 days, 40 days, morning and evening. Goliath comes out in the morning. Come on, who's coming? Let's fight. Nothing. Evening, come on. Is any of you brave enough? Let's go. And this goes on and on. Well, let's come back to Jesse, right? The father of David and all his brothers. David's older brothers, Jesse's sons, some of them are actually in the army. They're, they're soldiers encamped in the Israelite side. And Jesse uh, calls David and says, hey, I want you to bring these provisions to your brothers out and uh, basically go into the front lines. Hey, can you give some take some provisions out there? Okay. And so this is the scenario we have now. So uh, in your Bibles, if you're there in 1 Samuel 17, scroll to verse 22 and we read, And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Right? 40 days in a row now. And David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised or unclean Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. Okay, so let's pause there. What uh, David is about to show us is a core principle in today's message that, that he's going to show us that the greatest heroes point us to the great hero, that the greatest heroes in scripture and I would say in our life are going to point us to the great hero, the Lord. And this is what's going to happen here. And, and so uh, as things play out, David says to King Saul, Hey, you know what? I'll fight Goliath. Okay. So try to imagine this for a moment, right? This is a young guy, maybe a teenager, younger teenager. He's like, I'll take him. If no one's going to take him, I'll do it. And Saul replies, <laughs> quite obviously, he's going to say, look, you're just a teenager. How are you supposed to fight against Goliath? And, and David replies, look, I'm a shepherd. And as I've been tending the flocks and protecting them, the Lord has delivered me from lions and bears. And today the Lord will deliver me. I see no difference. Lions, bears, Goliath, the Lord has protected me, provided for me, and the Lord will deliver me in this situation too. Let's do this. And so Saul says to David, he says, go and the Lord be with you. Okay, so 
off David goes. Let's scroll down to verse 40 of 1 Samuel 17. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Uh, Scroll down to verse 43. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way of Shereim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. Once again, if we look at that, that's kind of a big account, uh, a lot of scripture they had to read there, but I didn't want you to miss one part of it. And if we see, there's a constant theme that David's showing us here. David shows us that the greatest hero points to the great hero. He is constantly saying, you know, the Lord will deliver us. This is all in the name of the Lord. That David is not the focus. It's not about his strength. It's not about who he is. That's not the focus. It is the Lord. He is the one in charge. It's his plan, his purpose, his strength. And so David, you know, consistently points to the Lord as the source of his strength and victory. And we see this over and over again. And so let's take uh, what we've learned there in 1 Samuel and let's come back to Hebrews 11. Because we see that the shepherd becomes a hero, a hero of faith, that his faith in the Lord and his trust in the Lord, this is how the shepherd boy, who even his own father didn't think he would amount to much, becomes this amazing conquering hero. And so if we read Hebrews 11, we see, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of David who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, made strong out of weakness, right? Everyone thought he was weak. Everyone thought he was too small. He he, he can't be a conqueror. So made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, 
put foreign armies to flight. It's amazing, amazing story. But we need to pause here in the application part because there's a deeper theological pointer in this whole account, David. And David and Goliath is one of the most well-known accounts, definitely in the church, but even outside of the church, in culture. All over the world, in multiple languages, people know and understand or have heard the story of David and Goliath. But actually, this uh, account um, proves to be really misunderstood. There's a massive misstep that happens all the time in culture, and that even happens in the church. It's, they kind of get the theology wrong. And getting the theology wrong can actually cause us to have wrong thinking in how we relate to God, more importantly, how we relate to God's son, Jesus. So here's, here's how a, a typical, you know, a cultural, or even you find it in churches too, but a cultural uh, narrative or a cultural application of David and Goliath. They, they might say, you know, put you in the place of David and say, you know, you need to battle your giants and, and you can overcome. And, and we falsely put ourselves in the place of David and that, and that we say, okay, within, with God's help, you can overcome your giants. And, and yeah, it sounds really good. And even now you're like, well, yeah, with God's help, I can totally overcome all my giants and I can, but we miss it. This isn't actually the, the picture. This isn't the pointer that, uh, that this scripture outlines. And if we want to take it seriously, if we look at this deeper theologically, we're not David. We're not David. We're actually up on the hill with the rest of the Israelites cowering in fear. And I don't, maybe you don't, you don't like the sound of that. You're like, no, I'm, I'm brave. I'm, I'm David. No, it doesn't work like that. You can't be your own hero. You can't be your own savior. You can't be your own Lord and King. That's not how it works. And I, I can't, you know, maybe can't repeat this enough that our greatest heroes point us to the great hero. You see, David points us to Jesus, that, that God loved us so much that we could never save ourselves. And God knew that, but he loved us enough to send his son, Jesus, to be our hero, to be our king and conquer, to be our savior. He is the one, Jesus is the one that came down into the valley and battled the darkness, battled our enemy for us while we cower on the hill. And maybe you don't like that, or maybe it doesn't feel as good, and, and, and you don't get that boost, like, oh, I can overcome. But we can't. We can't work hard enough. We can't do enough. We can't fight these battles on our own. We can't just find and muster the strength. And, and even if you're like, well, no, God will give me the strength. But God, God bestows salvation on us through Jesus. That the power outlined in Scripture, as we move back into the New Testament, the power is always in Jesus' name. We pray, when we end our prayers, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. The power comes from Jesus, not inside ourselves, that, that God set it up in such a way that we are lost. We do not have a conqueror king. We can't be our own conqueror king. And so he loved us enough to, to, to give us his son himself in Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin, to take our pain and suffering, sin, selfishness, pride, and all that stuff takes it. He dies and pays for it, then resurrected three days later. In him, he's the conqueror in the power so that that we can, so that we can uh, then, you know, in him, through him, we can overcome because he is battling our giants. The anxiety, the fear, all the other things. 
And, and if we look at this, if we consider the Bible as a whole, if we understand how the Old Testament, New, New Testament, they link together and everything is this pointer, when we really understand this, we start to see that, that these great heroes of faith, all the heroes of the Old Testament are actually pointing us forward, leading us to God sending us a hero. L- let's, just, let's just unpack the past few weeks, right? Gideon's lowly beginnings point us to the lowly beginnings of Jesus in the manger. Coming to this earth as an infant dependent on human parents. Barak's humility and servanthood points us to the humility of Jesus. God in flesh washing the feet of his disciples. Jephthah's ability to overlook rejection and betrayal points us to the end days of Jesus' ministry. Rejecting the man whom they needed to save them. Samson, let's talk about him. Shackled, arms stretched out. What a picture of the cross in him, but that he became a conqueror in his death. This points us to Jesus on the cross who becomes our eternal conqueror in his death. And then last, David. David in his victory over Goliath points us to Jesus walking out of that empty tomb, victory over sin and death, darkness and evil. That is the story. Don't place yourself in David's shoes. You you can't be David. You can't be your own savior. You can't be the king of the world, the conqueror. You can try and try and try. But we are fallen human beings. In reality, when it's all stripped away, we're on that hill. We're struggling and we're terrified. And we're in need of a savior. And so the big question today is, have you accepted? Have you accepted God's great hero, Jesus Christ? Have you accepted that you're sinful, that you're fallen, and and that you can't access God on your own, but that God loves you and he wants to save you and that he sent his son Jesus so that he could die for your sin? Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin? And he was buried. But then, do you believe in the conquering resurrection? That three days later he rose from the dead, conquering your sin, conquering death, and that he ascended to heaven and he's preparing a place for you. And that he's going to return one day, truly, truly as a king and conqueror, to defeat evil and darkness and the enemy Satan once and for all. The truth is, we need Jesus to conquer that enemy. We are not strong enough. This is a supernatural battle of proportions that our human mind really can't even fathom. It's way past the physical realm and into the spiritual. And so we need a spiritual king, a spiritual king that's very much alive. You see, Jesus is the only one in the physical and spiritual realm. He's both eternally our king. Maybe for you, you've placed your trust in Jesus, and that's amazing. But you're still trying to be your own hero. You're still trying to battle things and tackle things and work against things without saying, Jesus, I need you to take this for me. This is a great opportunity to kind of flip that and say, you know, this Goliath, this thing is too big. 
It's too much for me. And I realize that now. Jesus, I need you to take out this Goliath. I realize I'm fearful. I'm fallen. I am not strong enough. I am too weak. I need you to be my hero. The greatest heroes in our life point us to the true hero, Jesus. And I would suggest to you that if you're mentoring someone, if you're leading someone, point them to Jesus. And if you have mentors and people in your life, if they're just telling you all the time that you, that, that you have all the self-worth, that you, uh, that you have the power within you, that you just need to believe in yourself and all these things, it sounds really good. But that's a huge weight for you to hold. But if you have people in your life that are saying, you just need to lean into Jesus, ask him to fight your battles for you. Lean into him to go to war for you. Lean into him to go to battle for you. If you have people in your life like that, draw them close. Because this is what scripture is telling us. The whole thing is pointing us to Jesus. And so anyone else that's pointing us to that great hero, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that's who we want to listen to. That's who we want to follow. I'm going to pray. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that today. Or if you have given your life to Jesus, maybe it's time to make him your hero once again. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for David. I thank you that he was not what anyone would have chosen to be the hero. He was nothing, a shepherd boy. Even his own father didn't think that he would be the one to take over the kingship of Israel. But Father, you, you saw in him something special in his heart. And, and moreover, you were painting a, a, a massive tapestry of a huge, uh, a huge painting of, of your gospel plan from Old Testament to New Testament. And everything here, Father, we see is pointing to your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. Father, we know that we're sinners and that our sin separates us from you but we believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. We believe that he was buried, but that he rose again and he conquered sin and death for us out of your love for us. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. We thank you for the resurrection. We place our trust in you and we would ask, dear Jesus, that you would be our king and conqueror. We submit to you humbly and and we ask that we only have power through you that you are our source. And we ask this in Jesus' name. For those of us that are carrying something and trying to manage it on our own or trying to fight a battle on our own, Jesus, we'd ask that you would fight it for us. We lay it it to you uh, to take, to be our victor. Help us this week lean on you for every struggle, every trial, every battle, every tough conversation, every, every difficult thing. May we lean on you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so now let's move on to the discussion uh, portion of the message. We don't just want you to listen to this and turn it off. We want you to talk about it with friends, maybe talk about it online in the comment feed. Maybe someone's watching with you. Ask them these questions and, and have a dialogue. Who's your hero? Who do you look up to and admire? And why do you admire them so much? 
All right, we all have either mentors or heroes, maybe like me, you know, I look up to and admire Billy Graham, but I've never actually met him. Maybe you have kind of a distant one like that, but I also have mentors and friends that I look up to that are close to me too. So who, who are yours? You know, talk about it. And then the next question, figure out, do you have a hero that points you to the great hero? If so, how do they point you to Jesus? Okay, so think through all the people you look up to and you admire. Are any of them pointing you to Jesus? And if so, like talk about that and say, okay, well, how are they pointing me to Jesus? And maybe after this message, you'll come to some realization that, wow, this is maybe someone that I need to put some more stock into. I need to kind of put more time into this person because they're constantly pointing me to Jesus. And that's the goal. That's the goal here at Mountain View. That's the goal of, uh, that I want to do as far as like in my preaching and teaching. I constantly, you know, I have this deep calling to point you to Jesus. And, and I would say if anyone out there, if you are leading someone, if you're mentoring someone, if, uh, if wherever you're at, ask yourself, okay, am I pointing them to Jesus? And if you are, that's amazing. And I know some of you are, some of you are investing in younger generations and you're serving in places and you really are pointing them to Christ. And if you're doing that, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's really what we want to do here at Mountain View. And we want to do this as believers in Jesus, right? Our mission here at Mountain View is to introduce, baptize, and teach people to follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. So if you're doing that, that is awesome. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. And next week is our final, that's right, our final Heroes of Faith message. We're going to finish off with Samuel. We actually talked about him today, but we're going to kind of come back to him and talk specifically on how he was a hero of faith, kind of in his younger years. And it's a pretty amazing story. And then after that, we have Father's Day. Uh, Aaron, our pastoral apprentice, is going to have a special message for Father's Day. And then we have Fellowship Sunday, which, in case you didn't know, Mountain View Church is a part of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches, uh, so over 500 churches across Canada. And so we're going to have a special week where we unpack some of what's going on in our uh, Pacific region. So it should be great. Okay, so Samuel next week, ending Heroes of Faith, and then Father's Day, and then Fellowship Sunday. Lots of amazing stuff for June. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If you have given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know. Email connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Lastly, feel free to connect with us through social. Just search at Mountain View Whitehorse. Have a blessed week.